First and third, two out. Goyal hits this ball hard. Deep left field. It is good. Well, this place has been waiting two days to explode, and Goyal gives them a reason to here. It's 11 to 5 in the eighth. I'm telling you, this crowd, they may not get a win out of this, but it's amazing. Stuck with their team. I mean, I got to admit, that was Barker's <laughs> idea to play. <laughs> The Guriel home. <laughs> That's awesome. I was not going to do it. I've moved off the whole Guriel Moreno thing. Yeah. If you've listened to the show, you know that. I was going to play it a little straighter and go with Marcus Semyon, uh, but but Barker came. Yeah, out. I don't know why. No, we got it. We got it. We got to do Guriel. We got to do Guriel. I don't. I don't know why the sound is so much louder in the World Series coming off of somebody's bat. I just I just don't know why it's so much louder. It just it scared me a little bit how loud the noise was coming off of Lourdes. Guriel Jr.'s bat, man. Yeah. I mean, what 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 that did to turn that crowd around? Down eleven to five, baby. <laughs> I was going to say at the end of the day, uh, it really didn't make much of a difference. The Texas Rangers beating the Arizona Diamondbacks eleven seven, uh, and uh, with a win tonight, the Rangers can walk off with the franchise's first World Series. I would be lying if I said that I was playing paying really close attention to that game after it got to, I don't know, what was it at one point? Was it 11-1, whatever the hell it was? I kind of... 10 nothing after three. Yeah. No, I, I hung in until about the fourth and then kind of flipped back and forth. And, Were you uh, watching the Leafs, Jeff? No, I was not watching the <laughs> I was watching a show called The Night Manager huh? on BritBox. Highly recommended. Oh, yeah. Or Prime, I should say. Highly recommended. Anyhow, uh, yeah, the uh, Texas Rangers clearly rattled by not having Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer for the rest of the World Series. Both of them were dropped from the roster yesterday as a result of injuries, and the Rangers were so rattled that uh, they scored 11 runs and 11 hits. Helped a, a great deal, I would suggest, Kevin, by the fact that apparently... Nobody in the Diamondbacks front office has figured out that you shouldn't pitch to Corey Seager. I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it would seem maybe it was a bat path thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, can we just four fingers, move them on? You don't, think that, you don't think that was a herd of khakis before the game that got in the room and was like, hey, how about we get a lefty in the game against Corey Seager early in the game? Because... Maybe his breaking ball will play, and nobody else's breaking ball that's thrown from a left-handed pitcher has been able to work so far. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it's it's it is amazing how good your team can look when your best two hitters is four for ten with seven RBIs. <laughs> it does make a difference, like doesn't it? it? It really is amazing how, how good your team can look. But there was a lot of things, right? It was the tag for Marcus Simeon on the Cattell Marte uh, stolen base. That's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Don't reach out and get it. Let it come to you. Drop the glove on the hand, right? Cattell Marte is a really good base runner, is going to slide at the back corner of the base, especially when the bags are bigger. Yep. So what do you do? You straddle the bag. You don't reach out to get it. You let the ball come to you. You drop the glove on the hand. Like it's baseball 101, but it's a big deal, right? If he reaches out, he's safe, and maybe that inning could win a different way because we all know about how when teams score first in playoffs, especially in the World Series, how the outcome is. The Christian Walker double play, right? It's five nothing you know instead of five nothing 
it turned into 10 nothing because you got in a hurry, didn't pay attention to the transfer from the backhand to your throwing hand with the catcher running. When you didn't have to be in a hurry, you could have just thrown a strike to second, have the pitcher run over, tag the bag. It's 5 nothing instead of 10 nothing. 5 nothing you can come back from, 10 nothing you can't. Uh, for me, anyway, the biggest at bat was the Marcus Simeon first at bat. Mm-hmm. We've seen how bad he's looked timing-wise. He's been late basically this entire playoffs. Just not the World Series, the entire playoffs. And to watch him have an eight-pitch at bat and actually see a veteran working it through every single pitch that he fouled off. I know we grounded out 104 miles an hour to the shortstop on a sinker up and away. But for me, he's sort of like George Springer. I've said this to you a bazillion times. Whenever you ask me when George is 100 years old and goes through the peaks and the valleys, when he's going really well, what's he doing? He's got a little separation from the time his front foot hits the ground till the time he starts his swing. Marcus Simeon is no different. He is sort of George Springer when it comes to that. And it seems like after that at bat, when he hit the triple, you can go back and look. You see the little pause. When he mm-hmm. hit the homer on the fastball, you can go back. You can see the little pause, right? The foot hits the ground. He's got the little time to actually have the separation between the front foot and the hands to get the nice little coil to be able to think imaginary plate out front, right? He is a slug guy to the pull side. To be able to do that, you have to have good timing. You have to have good separation. So, that for me, I said this to you yesterday with Adoles Garcia being out of the game, Marcus Simeon, I mean, I'm not giving away state secrets here, but needed to have better at bats. And I just think him working through that first one, hitting that 104 mile an hour ground ball to the shortstop, just sort of, you could see it. Like even when he was running the first, it was almost like, yeah, I got out, but I did something. And then you saw him take off there. And if you're a Rangers fan, you got to be happy about that. You know, watching Christian Walker. This is a guy who is an elite, uh, the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Uh, the numbers would suggest he's certainly up there. Freddie Freeman's pretty good. Freddie Freeman's pretty good, but the numbers would suggest that 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 he's he's right there with Freddie Freeman. I'm an eye test guy a lot of the times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Work with me on this, Parker. <laughs> You're trying. For, for a guy who came into the postseason as – you know, somebody that, that I wouldn't say this is necessarily his coming out party, but um, it was going to be an opportunity. It was going to it was going to be an opportunity for the wider baseball world to see a guy that, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're, I mean, a lot of us just don't know that much about. We recognize a name, we've seen him in the before, but you really don't get a sense of how good he is. Yeah. And I haven't seen, I didn't see enough of him before the World Series to say I'm disappointed in him. But I'm wondering, Kevin, if what we have seen from him in this World Series, not just the the double play that he that he botched, but some of the approaches we've seen from him at the plate, is he being a little exposed here? Do you think? You yeah. know, there's more eyes. There's more. All the resources of the Texas Rangers for the past three weeks have probably been devoted to figuring out how to attack the Diamondbacks and how to or the Phillies, right? Because that's all that's all you're looking at right now. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe he isn't being a little exposed here. Am, am I being unfair? 
Yeah, I think so. Look, I, I think this is the Diamondbacks, right? It's it's uh, that's why nobody picked the Diamondbacks to go anywhere in this playoffs. Is is you just some of the unknowns, some of the pressure that would be on something guys like Christian Walkers of the world that you know you just didn't know what you were going to get. Right? Is it? You know, nice and easy thinking right center, or is it because your team's down 5 nothing? you're in a hurry to turn double plays because you're trying to help your team out because offensively you haven't done what they expected you to do in the biggest parts of the season? I think it's unfair, <clears throat> right? It's Look, I you know, it's why I asked Caleb Joseph about what can you take from this mm-hmm. as a, mm-hmm. you know, trying to establish yourself as one of the better players in baseball in some of the bigger moments, right? Until you actually get in these moments, you really don't know what kind of player you are, right? Now he knows that maybe the slider away, he's having to use the entire field. He can't be as aggressive. He, he has to have his A swing more often. We talk about this with Vladdy all the time, right? And I've been the one guy that, that has been raising his hand with Vladdy saying he needs to figure out a way to repeat the A swing. He just can't do that, right? It's because I hard in soft away and he tries to swing at everything because he thinks he has talent and bat speed enough to be able to cover all of that. I don't think Christian Walker's that much different is – Right. When you're young, you're, you know, you're sort of thrust into these situations. I think we can all agree the Diamondbacks are here a little early. Like, you know, they lucked out and found, you know, especially sort of against the Dodgers who basically didn't have pitching staff and Clayton Kershaw is just Clayton Kershaw the playoffs. Like, and I'm not taking anything away from them. How dare I? I'm not going to do that. But I just you I think you can see that when you watch the Rangers one through nine, they smother you, right? And I think to have the Diamondbacks get where they need to go, everybody has to be doing things, especially the Christian Walkers of the world. Yeah. Uh we are gonna be joined uh later on in the show, by the way, by Hunter Pence. Uh, at the bottom of the hour. And uh, the back league line numbers four one six, four one three, three nine five nine. Uh, Kevin, Tim Kirchner is going to join us. You got something you want to say, though? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I lambaste people all the time about their base running. Josh Young in the in the inning where they scored all the runs in the second inning with two outs and him getting the lead he was supposed to get at third with who's at the plate, knowing that, you know, with two outs, you got to be very aggressive. you got to have momentum headed in the right direction. And to be able to score on that play, even if you're not a fast base runner, baseball 101, I hope all kids were paying attention. Let's bring in Tim Kirchin of ESPN. That's a great point, Kevin. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today on Blair and Barker. We trust that you're doing well and uh, that you're enjoying the postseason. Although, I don't think, I, I mean, we haven't seen a game like that last night. 11-7, what, back-to-back five-run innings. That hasn't happened uh, in the World Series before. I think we've only seen two five-inning or five-run games, uh, two five-run innings in the same game, maybe maybe three times. I I, I don't want to second-guess Tori Lovello here, but I'm going to second-guess Tori Lovello here and, and, and kind of put it in a broader, a broader question here. Tyler, Tyler Kepner kind of addressed this in The Athletic today. I understand that the opener is it's a thing. Uh, I understand the opener gets used, and it's to the point now where most often when you see a team use an opener, you kind of shrug and go, okay, well, we know what that's about. If Tori Lovello had a redo, do you think maybe he plays that a little differently last night and goes with Ryan Nelson as a uh, as a starter? Um, look, I'm with you on this, Jeff, but the industry has allowed this to happen. 
the industry has been telling us now for years that it's wise to use an opener situation, even in game four of the World Series. But I'm sorry, I'm 66 years old, and I grew up at a time where Bob Gibson faced Danny McLean in the first game of the World Series, and it really mattered because two great starting pitchers were at it. But we've lost the value of our starting pitcher, and we need to get it back. So, yes, based on what we saw last night, Ryan Nelson should have started that game. He was basically their third, maybe fourth best starter for the season. But this is not how it works anymore. Of course, if you could do it again, you would have done it a different way. But Tori Lovello is just doing what almost every other manager does these days. And we need to make a correction here because you shouldn't be pitching an opener situation in game four of the World Series. But he didn't have that many choices. Yeah, I, listen, again, I understand it. I, and, and I don't want to be that guy yelling, uh, you know, against analytics or anything like that. I, I, I understand why I did it. But I just sometimes I think that Sometimes I think you, you do have to treat the postseason a little differently. And, you know, I was looking at, and I admit, it wasn't until the game started. Actually, it wasn't until the second inning that I started doing this, you know, and I looked at Ryan Nelson's numbers. And I'm going, man, he, I mean, he, he was not horrible this year uh, as a starter. Now I understand that he, he was demoted. He kind of lost his spot. I, I, I get that. But I, sometimes I think that it, it, people just get a little too cute in this situation. And, and um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it won't be the last time we see an opener in the world series. I wouldn't think, but it just watching that game unfold last night. It just didn't seem like a world series game. That, that seemed to me like a June 30th getaway day game, you know, between two teams. Yeah. Well, again, Jeff, the second pitcher who came in is a middle reliever. The third pitcher who came in is a middle reliever. The fourth pitcher who came in is a middle reliever. That's how we do these openers. You're you're taking these guys who pitch a fifth inning inning or a sixth inning inning and putting them in a critical spot in a World Series game. And it's just unfortunate that this is what the industry, not the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. have done, the industry has done to the game. And I had a long talk with Max Scherzer the other day, of all people, about returning the value of the starting pitcher and how can we keep him in the game longer. Because his point is, if you if you tie it to the use of a DH, it's too long of a story to get into, but if you tie it to the use of the DH, the starting pitcher stays in longer. And therefore, there might be more hits off of him because we're not bringing in relievers throwing 100 miles an hour in the fourth inning. And we might even keep our, our pitchers healthier because we don't have guys coming in as often throwing as hard as they can for one inning and then getting them out and replacing them with somebody else. I think it's time to take a long look at this. If a casual fan were to walk up to you and ask you this time of the year, what's your impression of Max Scherzer as a pitcher? What would your answer be? Well, the Max Scherzer of now is not the Max Scherzer of two or four years ago. He is still good. He still has velocity. He doesn't have the same slider that he used to have for whatever reason. And he's 39 years old. So I look at him and I got asked on the radio show, is he done 
as a major league pitcher. No, he's not done as a major league pitcher, but he's, you just can't depend on him like you used to, not even close given his age and given his injury history. I know when I, I did the Rangers all the way through the first three rounds, all 12 games from the booth, and that they told me there's no way Max Scherzer is going to be available to pitch in the postseason. This is before it started, and yet he willed his way back in. But in the end, he, he couldn't make it. So that makes him still a good major league pitcher, but not a reliable one given age and injury history. Yeah, you've been around some really, really, really good hitters this time of the year. Where does Corey Seager rank in that? Well, this is absurd what he's doing because he's hit three home runs in the World Series, and all three of them have been critical blasts that either tied the game, broke the game open, won the game. I mean, that he's been incredible. He now has three World Series homers, no shortstops ever done that in the same World Series. He has six World Series homers in his career. That's twice as many as the next most. He has 19 home runs in his postseason career um, in 77 games. That's more than Reggie Jackson had. And he does it in a different way in that he's got 14 first pitch home runs this year, 11 in the regular season, three in the postseason. That's the most in baseball. He's very difficult to pitch to because he can be very discerning and take a walk when he wants to, but you have to be ready for him to attack on the first pitch because no one swings at the first pitch. Well, some do, but he swings at the first pitch a lot, and he attacks early. And if you want to just throw a get-me-over fastball against him early, you're going to get clobbered. You know, I was trying to come up with a comparable in terms of what we've seen from Josh Young and Evan Carter this postseason, the Diamond or the Rangers obviously spend a lot of money to put this roster together. But Tim, they've got two young guys who are hitting 311 and 309 uh, with 61 and 55 uh, at at bats in the postseason. Like that's a that's a decent sample size. How, is there a comparable that you can think of of two a team with two young guys? I mean, gosh, one guy who's not. Uh, I mean, I think Evan Carter would still qualify for Rookie of the Year next year, would he not? I don't think he was up here until September. Um, Can you think of another team that's had two young guys like that just kind of uh, contribute as consistently as these dudes have? Uh, I'll have to do some work on that, Jeff, but it's unusual to say the least. And Evan Carter had 75 plate appearances when he uh, in September before the postseason started. And he's been incredible. He's 21 years old. The only other 21-year-old to hit third in a World Series game is Mickey Mantle in 1952. That's what Evan Carter's doing. And then they dropped him out of the three spot and put him in the cleanup spot. And the only people younger than him, meaning 20-year-olds, to hit fourth in a World Series game is Ty Cobb, Miguel Cabrera, and Juan Soto. That's it. That's the list. So what this guy is doing, he's not just producing. He's producing in the middle of the order. And Josh Young was on his way to maybe being the rookie of the year in the American League when he broke his thumb. But that guy can really hit 
He's in a, he's a very good defensive third baseman. And that's why the future of the Rangers, at least their everyday lineup is very bright because those two guys are going to be in the middle of it for a long time. Tim, say the Rangers win tonight, win the World Series. This is sort of a copycat league. If you're a team trying to win the World Series next year and, you know, go where the Rangers have been, what do you think those teams can take away from the Rangers to give them a little themselves a little bit better chance of going to the World Series next year? Well, what the Rangers did this year was they hired a Hall of Fame manager, and they told him, we want you to manage the team – and we want you to manage the game by yourself. They gave him, they gave Bruce Bochy all the metrics he needed. They gave him everything he needed, but they left it up to him to make the decisions in game instead of being dictated by somebody else in the organization. To me, that's one of the takeaways that teams should take. Now, granted, there aren't many Bruce Bochy's wandering around out there, but at some point we have to we have to give the game back to our managers that once the game begins, we need to keep it in their hands and let them run the game the way that they see it by watching what is happening in the game as opposed to going with the pre- a game plan on this is what we're going to do in the sixth inning, no matter what. That's one takeaway. The other takeaway is just find a lineup where guys will take a walk and be aggressive at the plate. That's what the Rangers do. They led the league in runs scored, and they led the league in walks by a wide margin. They are a really, really good offensive team. Tim, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for your uh, contributions this season, throughout the season, and uh, enjoy the uh, well. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the baseball, however long it lasts. Yeah, it's great stuff. Thanks, Tim. Okay, boys. Thanks, Tim. Tim Kirkchen of ESPN joining us in Blair and Barker. Um, yeah, Josh Young and Evan Carter. Kevin, put yourself yeah. put yourself in a position. Two young prospects, because that's what they were. That's what they are. You're a young prospect as well. Uh, can you imagine what it must be like for them to be going through this? To not just to being on the the verge of winning the World Series, but contributing every day, every game. And as as Tim said, hitting third in the case of Evan Carter, hitting cleanup in the case of Evan Carter. Like that has to that has to have some impact on you as a young guy, doesn't it? Yeah, I would think it would help to have Bruce Bochy. I mean, I've been in a locker room with Bruce. I think that's his big strength is to, to, you know, call a young person in the room and say, we believe in you. That's why I'm putting you in a three-hole or the cleanup spot. I do think you can protect somebody without changing your game completely and being the player that you don't want to be, right? And I think that sort of helps in the process of getting a couple of dudes through the biggest times of the year. I mean, both them dudes are oozing talent, right? It's, it's, I mean, Josh Young was one of the guys, whenever he hurt his hand, that they were saying was one of the main reasons why they went in that big giant slump. What was it, four and 16 they yep. were or something? The, the, he was one of the reasons why is because middle of the order, getting big hits, playing great defense in third. Like, they needed all those things. He was predictable. And when you don't put dudes in your order that are predictable, like you, it's just very hard to go outside the box and do certain things in certain parts of the game or certain situations of certain parts of games that because you really don't know what you're going to get and the outcome is in flux. So, yeah, I, I think they have tremendous talent. I think they have enough smarts to not change 
you know, go so outside the box that they are awful at their job. And I do think Tim is right. Bruce Boach is something else. I mean, I've been in the room with him. I, you know, and you can't argue the way he handles his pen. I will challenge you to go back in this playoffs and point the finger at a bad movie's mate. Like I, I tried to do it. It's hard. And he's got one of the worst bullpens in baseball. I mean, let's be let's be frank about it. It ain't good. I mean, it's defense and the two headed monster in the rotation that he has. And the way they hit obviously sort of makes up for the pin. And I guess you could throw Jose LeClerc in there. He's been sort of that guy. But it ain't been good. And for him to make all the right moves says a lot about what Bruce Bochy brings to the table. Hunter Pence is a two-time World Series champion with the Giants, 2012 and 2014. He knows a little bit about what it's like to play for Bruce Bochy. He's a four-time All-Star, currently MLB Network analyst. How... Will Bruce Bochy approach tonight's game? The Rangers are on the verge of the first World Series in franchise history. Hunter Pence joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's The Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder that uh, we will be on the air Thursday and Friday. And then uh, we'll shut it down for the off season. We'll be back on sometime around the start of spring training. Not that far away. Maybe we'll hear from John Schneider by then. Um, Anything big happens with the Blue Jays that's- from... Now until the whenever we come on, that's for real. Next well, time. that's yeah. We will do a um, we'll be doing a weekly a weekly podcast uh, after we take some time off to recharge the batteries, and uh, we will be doing what we call emergency podcasts. I don't know, emergency podcasts uh, during the off season if there's breaking news. For example, should the Blue Jays sign Shohei Otani, I'm sure that we'll have something to say about it. But uh, anyhow, so uh, this is me holding my breath. Yeah, right. <laughs> You'll be able to follow follow me on social media. SN Jeff Blair is my uh, X handle, Twitter handle, whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, and uh, I'll let you. I know don't when, have a handle. When, no, you don't. I'll let you know when the podcast <laughs> when the podcast drops. And uh, if you are subscribing to the podcast, please uh, leave a lovely rating and a lovely review. As I always remind you, it means a great deal to Kevin. It's the first thing he checks in the morning when he gets up. Absolutely. So Bruce Bochy will roll into the clubhouse today and in Arizona, knowing that his team is one win away from the first World Series title in Rangers history. Um, This is not Bruce Bochy's first rodeo, as you know. Uh, He's a multiple World Series winner. And our next guest won two World Series as a member of Bruce Bochy's San Francisco Giants. He's Hunter Pence, two-time World Series champion in 2012 and 2014, four-time All-Star and MLB Network analyst. Hunter, thanks for joining us today on Blair and Barker. Uh, So Bruce Bochy goes into the clubhouse today. You've been in this situation where he's managing a 
managing a team on the verge of winning a World Series. Is he any different today than he would have been, I don't know, August 3rd, going into the clubhouse? I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, but I, at the same time, like, it's a more focus. It's like a heightened focus. It's not all, you know, it's the World Series. Like, everyone's a little bit different. But I think, you know, you get three wins and you're one game away. Uh, one of the things I remember, uh, you know, when we were in Detroit, was we were up 3-0 and we kind of knew that you know they had they had had that little window of being cold where they they swept their series we went seven games and we were just like look they're they're back in baseball rhythm like don't lighten up don't loosen up because we're up 3-0 he kind of is still like pushing the button like it's not over until you know so uh, I would say that it's a it's a heightened focus it's uh he's very um yeah it, it's a it, it's a don't let 3-1 think you you can take it easy kind of feel Hunter everybody knows that Corey Seager at least the Diamondbacks better know after the the home run that he hit last night and especially Adolis Garcia not protecting him and and being not being in the lineup you would think Corey would have some doubts on whether he's going to get pitched to or not now we all know he's a free swinger and you know he's hunting strikes don't matter if it's a breaking ball change up we've seen it right it's when it's in his zone he adds length to the barrel like he's got a decent chance that tough to do like is that tough to to separate knowing that somebody's not in the lineup that's normally in the lineup around you No, there's some unknowns when you walk dig into the plate like is that hard for a free swinger to still be a free swinger at the plate I mean yeah absolutely and uh, I was never you know on Corey Seager's level like he is uh you know one of the honestly one of the more underrated seasons that we've had because he had like a about a thousand OPS this year it was it was a tremendous season and uh, you know, now we're just seeing it magnified on the World Series stage. Uh, we saw it with the Dodgers in 2020, how hot he can get. He's one of the best hitters, you know, I think, you know, if he stays healthy, a sure Hall of Famer. But for me personally, it was, I was a free swinger. And, you know, if I was that hot, it, it, a lot of times it got me cold when they just threw me a bunch of balls. It was hard to lay off. You want, you know, you want to pass the torch. And I think that's one of the greatest skills. A lot of the you know teams are are really harping on now is is you know pitch selection. The the Astros have been tremendous at it, and we've seen them seven straight uh, championship series. They harp really hard and they practice and train for pitch selection. So uh, Steger's pretty locked in. If you throw him a strike, you know you remember watching Barry Bonds and his time where they walked him almost every time, and you throw him one strike a game, and he'd launch it into the seats. Um, so. It is definitely difficult when you lose an Adolis Garcia, but you saw Simeon's game last night. Uh, this is a deep Rangers lineup, and it's kind of that next man up mentality, um, which is pretty special. You know, we had Tim Kirchner on a few minutes ago, and we were talking about Bruce and the job he's done. We were talking specifically about Evan Carter and Josh Young and how they've been so important to this postseason, how Evan Carter's hit third, he's hit cleanup, the youngest guy to hit third since Mickey Mantle, all of this. And 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 Tim's point was that Bruce is, I mean, I think we need to move on from the old school, new school guy, but Bruce is still, there. there's an aspect of his managing that relies on fielding. And I remember covering that World Series in 2012 against Detroit. I remember that postseason, as, as a matter of fact. And I've always kind of, remembered how he dealt with Tim Lincecum and how he used Tim Lincecum in that postseason and just the feel he had for, you know, a guy who had been an important part of the team. Um, 
but you know was was pitching out of the bullpen I think for that he may have started I, he started one game in the NLCS I believe but he was used out of the bullpen the rest of the time it tells a little bit about what what Bruce is like in game when it comes to making those decisions and dealing with dealing with people right and putting them in situations yeah. where they're going to have to rise to the occasion you know that's like one of the you know most it's just like, it's kind of like clockwork and, and his feel is off the charts. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, it subsides to any, you know, you play for a long time in the major leagues and, you know, you, you analyze, you do radio shows and there's always this second guessing that can come up. And, you know, for Boach, you know, you know, going into a game when you play for him um, that, you know, he, he's kind of almost borderline, you know, psycho how much he thinks about baseball. Bless his wife, Kim, uh, you know, because he's just constantly he's he's way ahead of anyone's any time you might second guess something he's done or you know throughout the eight years or whatever that I played for him. You're like, hey, why did you do that? Because uh, it seems like one thing. And he's like, well, did you think about this in this inning or whatever? You know, so he's always overthought everything, and all of that is like you have so much confidence that um, you know the the ins and outs of the matchups and that. It's not always the data, but he knows who's hot at the right time. He has the feel of the, the personality and who can handle what. Um, and it just really is a, a comforting thing when your manager never has any pressure with that, that he's locked in, he's dialed in, he's focused, and he knows exactly you know the rhythms of the game. It's, it's kind of in his blood, his DNA. He loves baseball, and he is thinking about it constantly. Hunter, did you need two different managers? What I mean by that is a manager that sort of manages the regular season and then a manager that manages the playoffs. Like, I, I would assume the great managers are the same, even kill, right? You know, that that roll your eye, the door's always open. You know, look, when I played, it was open to some. It was not always open to the 25th guy. I was the 25th guy. A lot of the times it wasn't open to me. I, but when I played for Boach, it was. You know, like it was. And I think that's the difference, right? Is is the, him, him being a manager and being that kind of person to where when he actually says it, it just it's sort of true and you don't always get that as a player because you've played in some really big moments you've won some really big games do, do you do players need two different managers or do they need that just that same what you get is what you're getting no matter what how big the game is i i think you do i think this is one of the magic you know the magic of boach is a like he was the first manager i ever had that was like I want risk takers. I want, I don't care if, you know, go for it was kind of his thing. And, you know, when the pressure gets higher, he, it's almost like he elevates, he like lives for that. He wants the risk. Uh, he's born. He, he just feel like he's born for it. So, you know, the bigger the game the you, you almost feel him get bigger. And I don't know how else to explain it, but you know, so a lot of times the more pressure you got into, you know, throughout baseball, you just see people get like kind of tight or thinking too much, their body language changes and you just feel this jolliness around him. Um, you know, how happy he was. I remember one time asking him how he was after we had won the ALCS and he was dancing and kicking. He's like, Hunter, I'm doing great. We're headed to the world series. And I was just watching film of the next team we were playing. I was like, you're right. We are going to the world series. This is kind of cool. Uh, but I, you just, that is just kind of part of him is um, no, not this conservative play it safe. He was like, let's freaking go. Like, like, and, and I want to say that I think that this was something else is he always has little things to 
kind of push you. He's a great leader of men. He's witty. He changes the room when he walks in. He's fun to be around. But he has all these little things. You know, for us, it was like 25 guys, one common goal win today. Uh, you know, I know at the beginning of spring training for the Rangers, he was like, look, we're going to do this as one. And, like, we expect to win the World Series. And, and like, he means it when he comes in. But, like, the only way we do this is as one. We win together. We lose together. The good times, the bad times, we stick together. And uh, that was that was something that he really brings everyone together because baseball is many different cultures, many different backgrounds, many different religions, many different beliefs, and you have to play together. It's one of the most beautiful things and hardest things to accomplish, but he holds a standard that we stick together, we play as one, and we don't point fingers when things go bad. We, we point them at ourselves. And uh, I think that that is something that's really hard to do at that level. Now, Hunter, I don't have to remind you that you had a, uh, you had a pretty good 2014 uh, World Series, to, uh, to say the least. Uh, the Giants won that World Series. You hit four, 444, I believe. Um, I'm just quickly calling up numbers. Three doubles, a home run. Um, you know, I've, I've often wondered, the World Series is on. There's no other baseball going on. So all the eyes of an organization are on, are on one team, right? All, all the, the Diamondbacks, all their stuff, they're all focused on the Rangers right now. Same thing, Rangers are all focused on the Diamondbacks. How hard is it to go on a heater in the World Series when there's nobody else playing, so you know that they're sitting there going, what the hell is Hunter Pence doing in this series? Let's get 10 guys in a room and look at it. How hard is it to, to have that type of a series knowing that all the resources are aimed at, at, at you and your team? You know, it's pretty much the same as any game because these teams have a lot of resources on you, and there's a chess game, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a battle there, and every team has a different theory on how they're going to get you out. You know all your stats and your weaknesses, and you also, for me, I was a big you know, approaching and, and setting up traps and looking for certain things. And if they got me out a certain way, could, how can I take that away, work on it, set up game plans. So I have different approaches for different pitches and ways, you know, even like my weakness, if like uh, up and in, I would say, and, and sliders down and away and chase of that would be what I would consider my weakness. And really you're numb at the point you get to the world series. Cause you've already played in all these playoff series. I think honestly, the first playoff series you get into is the biggest emotional jump you know, you imagine jumping into a cold water, uh, and, and at first it's really cold, and then you adapt to it. Well, that first shock of, like, you know, the first games of the regular season, you feel that from spring training. And then you get it. The first games of the playoffs is just this huge emotional shift. And then you kind of settle down and kind of get used to the waters by the time you're in the World Series. Um, so, for me, you know, that, that, that test match was always going on. I had plenty of playoff series where I did terrible that we won, and I just, just play good defense. You go out there and you play your best ball, and, you go through rhythms of being hot and cold and just that World Series, uh, I got really free and was in a really good slot. Hunter, is it hard to educate guests in a World Series at the plate? <laughs> is it hard to what? Ed- educate Educated. guests. Like, yeah, like I, like I was a fastball down the middle guy. I couldn't expand, right? It was if I was going to mm-hmm. get athletic and be, you know, balanced and the hands go where they were supposed to go and catch things out front and backspin balls to left center field because I was a left-handed hitter, I sort of had to look in one area and sort of adjust and let the eyes direct the barrel to where it needed to go. There's a lot of because of the velocities now and the elevated fastballs now and there's not really a fastball count, there's a lot of educated 
guessing going on. Harder to do that yep. because, like Jeff said, you know, there's only two teams playing. Like, everybody's pointing and looking <laughs> at you and knows your weakness. Is it hard to educate guests this time of the year? No, I it, that that's kind of – but that was what I did. That's how I hit. So, I was uh, – you know, I was such a free swinger. Like there wasn't a ton of times where people were challenging me with fastballs down the middle. So I, I liked sitting soft. I got, you know, I got good at it. But for me, that that approach, you know, if I'm sitting soft, it's like knowing where that the off speed of the pitcher you're facing is going to start, where it needs to start to be a strike. And for me, it was like if I'm sitting off speed, um, you know, I want to. I'm not going to be fixated or stale. You want rhythm and movement. And I'm going to be catching that off speed. My contact point for that is out front. And then if you happen to throw a fastball and I'm trying to cut, you know, time an off speed out front, I have a chance to recognize, oh, this is a heater and my contact point will be very deep. And let's say even if it's inside, you get jammed. Good hitters get jammed. There's a lot of hits up the middle. It's called, you know, fight the good fight. And you can shoot a single on a fastball. But if you're trying to pull fastballs for homers, um, you're probably not going to have a chance to hit anything else. So for me, I was edu- I, I wouldn't even say guessing. I would say educated approaching and giving yourself a chance to fight off the one you're not looking for and adjust. And then uh, contrary to that, if I wanted to look heater, if I thought they were, you know, they, they, they felt me sitting on off speed and I was on off speed. And this is pitch to pitch within an at bat, feeling out the at bat, what the catcher's thinking. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to look to catch a heater deep. I'm going to try to, you know, look for a heater away contact point deep and then react from there. Hunter. Yeah, that's really, that's great insight. Listen, man, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. so much. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. It's it's great to hear from you and enjoy, enjoy the game five, baby. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Be well. Thank you. All right. Take care. Y'all. Hunter Pence, two-time world series champion with the giants, 2012, 2014, (laughs) that world series, 2014 against Kansas city Royals was uh, Kevin Hunter Pence, his OPS was 1.167, 18 total bases in 17 games, 12 for 27, three doubles, a home run, five ribbies. He didn't get the MVP of that World Series because that was when Madison Bumgarner was just a freak and was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and was doing, was doing everything. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fascinating hearing because that's something I've never been able to figure out. It's just got to be... Like, can you imagine being at your very best, maybe having the best seven games of the season in a row in the World Series? I, I mean, it just, it just blows my mind being able to put yeah, up numbers it. like that. I've dreamt it. I, I, I think you have to sort of will it into existence, sort of mm-hmm. like Hunter was talking about. I could never do what he was saying there. I had a Josh Donaldson moment. I remember me and you were standing yep. d- down the right field line at spring training, whatever, you know, he got yelled at from Gibby for having the boom box in his back pocket. And, you know, he had the tape around the handle and he was trying to explain to me and you why that was. And, you know, I was looking at you and you were looking at me and we were like, I'm going, dude, you played. Of- I said, you played. <laughs> if you don't understand what he's saying, I sure as hell don't. Yeah, I, I knew we were moment. in trouble. I knew we were in trouble the second you looked at me as if, do you know what he's saying? At that point, yeah. we're in big trouble. Yeah, I had the same moment with Hunter there where, you know, it's just he's trying to get jammed and hit a fastball to right field and having enough bat speed and body awareness and, you know, just knowing the path your hands are going to take. And uh, maybe that's why he's got two World Series rings and been around forever. Like, that that's the mm. reason, right? you got to adapt and overcome. And he was a really was good player. Guys, 
I was one of those guys that wanted to hit a lot off the fastball. Like I wanted to annihilate fastballs and keep my head afloat above everything else. And just to hear dudes talk like that, who, you know, stayed in the big leagues, had the swing. You're not going to teach his swing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to teach his approach either, and that's why you got to love baseball. Is just no, no. I don't think there's one right answer. It's to each his own. Like you got to have the experience enough to go out there and understand that this is pitch to pitch. They know I'm sitting on something, and once they figure it out, now I got to sit on something else. It's up to me to make the adjustment. So, yeah, who does, who does that not sound like? <laughs> Sounds like that doesn't sound like the Blue Jays. Like we well, talked, we talked about this all year. Yeah, and there's probably reasons why the Blue Jays never win the playoffs. It's because they don't have dudes that either can buy into that, either can do that, or they just don't have the communication skills to be able to translate that from whoever they're trying to sell it to, to whoever's trying to translate it to the players, or maybe it's accumulation of all of them. So. It's just intriguing to listen to dudes have had success at the highest levels, and you're just like, why do they do that? And there's probably reasons why they win all the time. That's why I made the point about about this World Series being between, um, I mean, I, I would say that they were two teams that going into the playoffs we didn't think would make it this far. But, you know, you look at the Texas Rangers, you look at their lineup, and you go, okay, I could, yeah not the most outrageous thing in the world that that lineup would just bludgeon people. That's a deep, deep lineup. Yeah. But then you see Arizona and and this is, and I understand they're not in the same league as the blue Jays. I I get all that, but that's why it, it seems to me this year, this game is so elevated now. And that's almost what scares me about the blue Jays as much as their personnel. This game is so elevated right now. And I just, I really wonder how far behind the Jays are. We we talked about this at the start, and I don't, I wanted to bring it back to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., where we started. Um, and again, I'm blaming you for that. This was not my, this was not I'll my plan. It. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is hitting 357, 946 OPS in this World Series. Uh, he's got five RBI, one home run. You know, you know the numbers. Mm-hmm. Do you think any differently about Lourdes now than you did? at the end of last season. Hey, he's healthy. I think that's the, you know, every time you hear him talk, I think he was talking to Hazel. He, he mentioned uh, that yesterday. Yes. He was mentioning that, you know, the biggest key is to be healthy. You know, if you have any hand issues because you're as long limbed as he is, he just, it's hard to overcome, right? You're out and around, you're trying to muster, you know, you're sort of swinging from the hip, which is not him, right? He's a, he's a stride separate guy, sort of drive the hands down and through the baseball, can stay connected, which is hands are really close to the body, right? He's a lead with the bottom hand guy. He's not a drop the back elbow, get it in back there. So not really like, hey, you look good. I, you know what? He, again, is a six-hole hitter on a really good team. Like, I think that's what he is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's probably not going to hurt you defensively. He's not going to hurt you running the bases. But he could help you offensively. And I think that, for me, is, you know, if you want a finishing piece that can help you win a World Series, that's Lourdes. Yeah, I I think that's, for me, who he is. Yeah, I I will be fascinated in seeing – where he ends up this off season. 
Uh, he may stick. I mean, it's entirely possible he comes back with the Diamondbacks. Although I, mm-hmm. I would think they probably they probably have some decisions to make. But yeah, I, I just wonder. I, the industry's got to think differently of him now than they did when when he was with Toronto. They have to just because. Do they? I, I think the I mean, po- sixth. I think, right? Yeah, I, th- I think though for a lot of guys, I, I still believe that the World Series. You can make some money in the World Series as a free agent. I don't. It, it doesn't take you from like. You know, it doesn't put take you from Lourdes Gurriel territory to Shohei Otani territory. It's yeah. not going to do that. See, but I wonder if maybe teams don't look at this. Like, if you're a team that thinks you're going to contend next year, yeah. say you're the Atlanta Braves, or I'm just saying, pick a, pick a team that thinks it can it can contend next year. You've got to look at Lourdes a little differently now that see, he's contributed to a team in the World Series. See, whenever they put Gabby in the three hole, they could have put Lourdes in the three hole. They didn't. Great point. That, that's. Yeah, that's why I don't think differently of Lourdes. And I know Lourdes, and I've been in a batting cage with Lourdes, and I've talked to hitting coaches around Lourdes, and I talked to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. about Lourdes. Like, I know what makes it tick, and he hasn't changed a bit. Like, it is what it is. All right. Uh, that was great. Thanks. Uh, thanks to Hunter Pence was terrific, man. It was absolutely. It's the reason why them dudes have success and stay around forever. Yeah. We appreciate Hunter joining us and Tim Kirchner as well. That is it for us today on Blair and Barker. A reminder, we will be back from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan tomorrow and Friday. Then we're off for a bit and we'll begin our weekly podcast. And we got a couple of things planned, I think, for the podcast as well. Barker's looking at me. He doesn't like it when I say that because it usually means more work. For me. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the baseball. We'll chat tomorrow.